Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So surprised, and she was so cute, and she had the little devil look in her eyes. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Wow, what a week it's been. We are in what I would call the dog days of summer. Maybe technically it's a little early to say that, but to me, the dog days of summer, especially when it comes to cuffing, joining together, relationships, July, mid to late July is really the make or break season, right? The make or break time of summer where people stay together, but more than likely, you know, the haze and the the wonderment of the first half of the summer is over. And now you're over it and you're over them. And oh boy, so many breakups have been happening and I can't wait to discuss them all. But of course, you know, as has been tradition for, you know, the past I don't know, like three weeks or something. Um, We're going to start the episode off with our girl of the week. And of course, of course, you guys, I have to say that the universe always provides a path. You know, if you feel called and led to speak about something, the universe will provide a path for you to allow that to happen. So I've been updating you guys here and there. I mean, truly, it feels like every 15 minutes something happens in the universe of one Britney Spears. So admittedly, I've been kind of half-assing it just because every day it's something more and it's just too much. It's too much to keep up with. And frankly, 
there's somebody way better than me to keep up with all of this. And that person is Troy McKeady. Like, let's be honest, you guys, Troy McKeady has been doing the Lord's work in the past few weeks, exhaustively updating us with every bit of Britney information that you could possibly need. So head on over to Dunzo Podcast to check out all of that if you need the latest. Um, I am going to be taking up the torch, the baton, if you will, because his episodes come out on Friday, might come out on Monday. And so, you know, like I said, a plethora of information has happened since then, and we got to talk about it. So, um, claps for everybody. Oh, my point was that in my like lackadaisical updates of Britney is that I, I failed to mention Jamie Lynn, you know, 2021's possum queen of the year. So she took to Instagram stories a couple weeks ago by now and felt the need to open those thin little lips of hers and tell us that she's got a job. She's been working since she was, you know, a zygote. She's been getting money since she's six. She doesn't need her sister's money. She's just here to be a sister to Brittany. She loves her. She supports her. And here's the thing that pissed me off more than anything is when she said, I told her privately years ago to seek a better counsel. I hate this shit. Like, I don't know what people think that they're accomplishing when they say things like that. Like, oh, well, I told her, you know, and I cared about her and I loved her. I'm like, okay, you clearly did not do everything that you could possibly done to have um, protected your sister. So saying I told her years ago to me is almost putting the onus on Brittany and fuck you forever for that. Like that is not her fault. It's not her responsibility when she's saying, you know, who knows like how long Brittany has been in some sort of, uh, you know, drug fueled, pilled up haze of prescriptions that she did not need to be taking and confusion. And the woman has practically been a slave and for years now, and only recently found out that she could try to do something to get herself out of that. So like truly fuck off for saying that you, I mean, I, I told my sister years ago privately, not that you guys would know, I told her privately that she should get out of this. Okay, well, uh, did that work? No. So don't come saying, talking to us about how we should be grateful or how we should shut up because you don't know what goes on between the family. Blah, blah, blah. You guys don't know the truth. And I love my sister. Okay. Do you? Because, um, Brittany Jean had something to say and she took to Instagram and mentioned it all. So last week is when it was announced that Brittany was able to, and I can't even believe that I have to say this sentence that Brittany won a case in which she is now able to choose her own legal counsel. Does that not blow anybody else's mind that like she had to go to court to do something that even the most common criminal gets the right to automatically through this country's like constitution or whatever. Um, It's truly like blowing my mind to me that she like had to fight to get the opportunity to choose her own lawyers. But anyway, thank fuck she was granted that right. Um, so it seems like since then her, you know, there's her, the details and the um, contents of Britney's Instagram have 
clearly been hotly debated. Like there's an entire podcast or maybe a couple podcasts at this point dedicated to dissecting, disseminating, deciphering what is going on and who whomst is in charge of Britney's Instagram. Since this judgment came down of her being able to get the free, the her, choose her own lawyer, the, I would say the Instagram posts have um, taken a shift a shift in tone, if you will. So um, two days ago, there is a, um, a screenshot of something that says, never forget who ignored you when you needed them and who helped you before you even had to ask. And the caption says, there's nothing worse than when the people closest to you who never showed up for you post things in regard to your situation, whatever it may be, and speak righteously for their su- for support. There's nothing worse than that. And there's four exclamation points after that how dare the people you love the most say anything at all did they even put a hand out to lift me up at the time three exclamation points three question marks how dare you make it public that now you care did you put your hand out when i was drowning again no so if you're reading this and you know who you are and you actually have the nerve to say anything about my situation just to save face for yourself publicly if you're going to post something Please stop with the righteous approach when you're so far from righteous it's not even funny. Three middle finger emojis and have a good day. P.S. If you're reading this today and you can relate, I'm sorry because I know what it's like. And I send you my love. Three kiss emojis and three exclamation points. And then, um, not 21 hours ago as of my recording, um, another one posts, another post comes down the pike and that is a, a picture of a, a logo or not a logo, a slogan or whatever the fuck that says, take me as I am or kiss my ass, eat shit and step on Legos. Energy and energy. Okay. Um, for those of you, this is a caption for those of you who choose to criticize my dancing videos. Look, I'm not going to be performing on any stages anytime soon with my dad handling what I wear, say, do, or think I've done that for the past 13 years. I'd much rather share videos, yes, from my living room instead of on stage in Vegas, where some people were so far gone, they couldn't even shake my hand, and I ended up getting a contact high from weed all the time, which I didn't mind, but it would have been nice to go to the motherfucking spa. Uh, Now, that sentence I'm a little bit confused about. We can, you know, we can talk about that later, okay? Um... And no, I'm not going to put on heavy makeup and try, try, try on stage again and not be able to do the real deal with remixes of my songs for years and begging to put my new music in my show for my fans. So I quit. I don't like that my sister showed up in an awards show and performed my songs to remixes. My so-called support system hurt me deeply. This conservatorship killed my dreams. So all I have is hope and hope is the only thing that this world excuse me, and hope is the only thing in this world that is very hard to kill. Yet people still try. I didn't like the way the documentaries bring up humiliating moments from the past. I'm way past that and have been for a long time. And for uh, women to say that it's weird the way I have any, still have hope for fairy tales, go fuck yourself, uh, middle finger emoji. As I said, hope is all I have right now. You're lucky I post anything at all. You're damn right, Brittany. If you don't like what you see, unfollow me. Okay, three exclamation points. People try to kill hope because hope is one of the most vulnerable and fragile things there is. I'm going to go read a motherfucking fairy tale now. P.S. If you don't want to see my precious ass dancing in my living room or it's not up to your standards, go read a fucking book. Woo! Brittany Jean Spears. Okay?
Thank you. Brah, brah, shatata, all over, spraying bullets all over that, okay? All over her, her over her cat-killing sister, okay? Um, so with that, of course, the internet, mm, thank you, thank you so much. The, the League of Extraordinary Britney fans have um, taken to the internet to scour what Britney was referencing and... Oh, they found it in about 37 seconds and posted that shit on Twitter. So I'm going to post it. That What you heard um, in the beginning of this episode was a clip of after Jamie Lynn's uh, performance. They Somebody interviewed Jamie and Brittany side by side. And the person asked her what she thought of Jamie Lynn's performance. Now, this was at the 2017 I believe Radio Disney Music Awards, I think that's what it's called, where, um, and you'll find this clip that somebody posted um, in the episode description. She's doing a uh, Till the World Ends, her own rendition of Till the World Ends for Britney. And I think this was supposed to be a surprise, uh, you know, performance, we love you, Britney, dedication sort of thing. Uh, Britney's response... Ooh, (laughs) so let's set it up. I mean, if you don't want to watch the clip, I'll set it up for you. So, you know, typical, you're seeing people at an award show sitting in the chairs and it's uh, from left, it's uh, the boys, her sons, Brittany, and then at the end of the aisle is mother, mother dearest, Lynn. Um, Lynn is acting like she's having the time of her life. As if Britney, the one who actually did the song, is up on stage performing Till the World End. And Britney looks um, like I would imagine a celebrity would look when somebody who is not famous nor talented goes in front of them, goes in front of them and performs their song. And you are like, well, the cameras are on me. So I guess I have to be nice and act like this is something that I want. But really, I'm annoyed and I don't like this and I don't want this to be happening. It is just a few seconds of her being like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Realizing she's on camera and being like, well, I guess I'll clap along to this train of crap that's happening on stage. So again, girl of the week, fuck you, Jamie Lynn. You tried it. And your sister said, why don't you sit down in a chair and read a damn magazine, girl? Because I'm going to read the fuck out of you. I love it. I love to see it. Okay, now let's talk about all of these breakups that are happening. So for those of you who are have been or are about to be on this journey with me, yes, I'm going to be, of course, recapping Married at First Sight. Houston, Dallas. I don't know. You guys, I don't watch the pre-kickoff specials or whatever. So I I don't, I think it's Houston. I'm like 90% sure it's Houston. 10% sure it's Dallas. Anyway, they're down in Texas this season. Um, The episodes, the season begins on Wednesday. So yes, I will be recapping it. I'm not sure um, how or when, what the schedule is going to be like. So... (laughs) Um, well, you know, we're just going to wing it and see what happens. Um, so if you want to be updated on that, I guess your best bet would be to start following me on Instagram at everyone's business, but mine, and maybe I will remember to talk about the schedule for that 
But also just like subscribe to the podcast and you'll get the episode and you won't have to worry about it at all. You'll just find it there um, when it comes, whenever that'll be. So um, it feels very interesting that the two couples, so three couples made it and decided to continue their marriage last season, the Atlanta season. So we had Vincent and Brianna, our probably top tier favorite fan favorite couple, Ryan and Clara. Oh, Jesus. And then the worst of all, Eric and Virginia. So y'all, Virginia and Eric announced a couple weeks ago that they were going to be getting a divorce. It was a very weird timeline. It seemed like there had been rumors happening for a couple of weeks. And then the rumors kept getting hotter and hotter until Virginia posted about on her Instagram stories about how we just decided to take our relationship off of social media. We just seek privacy and, you know, like we're continuing on with our relationship minutes. It felt like maybe within an hour, it was announced that Eric had filed for divorce. So great. Um, so there have been a lot of questions about that. Um, interestingly enough, they have just decided to, a few days ago, break their silence on the divorce. And, God, if this wasn't like a shitty, weird-ass couple before, it definitely is now. So, here's what they've said. They made an exclusive statement to E! News. Okay? Um, we've made the best efforts to keep some parts of our relationship out of the public eye. This entire process has been difficult, as is, without the constant chatter of public opinion, Erica and Virginia shared. Contrary to, par- pon- okay. Contrary to popular belief, we've been together and trying to make our marriage work since decision day. While we have decided to get a divorce, wait for it, we aren't closing the doors on a possible future together. The couple added, we love each other and we'll continue to navigate our new reality post-show. So this is one for the books. Typically our, you know, uh, reality TV or celebrity uh, breakup is, you know, we've decided to remain friends and we're committed to co-parenting if they have a kid or, you know, we're, we're just the best of friends and we, you know, we're just, we just love each other so much and like we, we, we honor each other and we, we care for each other and we're going to be the best of friends okay best friends but this yeah this one really took a turn where they said even though we're getting a divorce we are still together you guys so um okay okay (laughs) okay now I've heard of this happening and I know that there are couples out there where you know maybe you have to make an extreme statement but I've never heard of people being like, we're committed to staying each other together currently while also actively getting a divorce. That is the part that's confusing to me, but okay. Okay. I mean, I'm really not surprised. And also you guys, did y'all see this? Shout out to you, Rachel, who sent me screenshots of, y'all know that flap couple from that season, Atlanta, Haley and Jacob. Oh, Jesus. Um, so Jacob had taken to Instagram live to talk about, I I don't know, probably, you know, some eighties shirts, eighties inspired shirts that he had picked up, but, um, Virginia, probably pretty sauced on, 
you know, some like airport size bottle of uh, barefoot wine that she found at the back of her couch or something. But um, she hopped on the Instagram live in the comment section and was like, um, your dick doesn't work. Haley hated your dick. You're bad in bed. That's why she didn't want to fuck with you. Cause nobody wants to fuck you. Cause your dick's soft and it sucks and it's terrible. And, um, I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to protect you. Like the guys protect each other from, from bad shit and, and their own bad behavior. And it was, um, very interesting, very interesting to say the least, least, um, I laughed. I laughed heartily. Um, I would like to know more about that, but let's move on. So our second couple that decided to stay together, Ryan and Clara, of course, we know um, they were just like that perfect couple that were meant to be. And if you could have, uh, if I had to put everything in a, in a machine, um, Ryan is the guy who would have come out of all the things that I wanted for in a man, even though he uh, refuses to say, I love you or express any sort of emotion outside of robot. And also I'm not even sure if his dick works or not because he will not fuck me. Um, he has no problem with me going down on him and making him come every night, but he won't stick it in me, even though he knows that those are the two most important things to me. But we're so happy. Um, turns out they're not. Turns out they're not. A few days ago, it was announced that... Um, uh, oh, you know, remember at the reunion where they said they were planning a whole vow renewal because they wanted to have like a proper ceremony and have all their family and friends and the renewal was set for uh, New Year's of this year, I believe. And so, um, no, uh, Clara took to Instagram and was like, uh, hey, guys, is anybody in the market for a couple hundred dollars worth of New Year's uh, stuff? Because I'm not going to need it for my vow renewal and... Uh, Turns out, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of details, but it very much is giving Ryan broke up with Clara. Um, she seems to be having a good uh, attitude about it. She, y'all know I don't Taylor Swift, but she posted an Instagram story of something like, well, it turns out that uh, my summer is going to be more like Taylor Swift's Red Album than I thought. And I'm, I'm um, assuming, just basing on context clues, that that's like a breakup album because she's breaking up with somebody and also like it's Taylor Swift. I don't know what other kind of album she does. So I'm assuming that that's what that is. But, um, LOL again, <laughs> I mean, did anybody think that they were going to stay together? Like they were really, he did not tell her he loved her until months after decision day at the reunion special. And only because one of the experts directly asked him, do you love her? And not even one second, did he decide, like, hey, maybe this is something that we should say in our actual relationship. I'm just going to say it on camera and shock her. And then they did not answer the question of whether or not they fucked. It, Clara was very coy about that in a way that she was trying to make it seem like, uh, wink, wink, we have. But I didn't believe it. I did not believe it for a second. I don't think they fucked. Um, so, um, you know, listen, Clara, maybe you can get... Uh, do a collaboration with, um, I don't know, like plus one vibrators or, um, Hitachi magic wand. If you can want to reach out to them, like get, um, get, get, uh, the lifetime network to try and hook you up. You know, I, I see that for her advocate for um, personal 
in single sexual health because, you know, if your husband's not going to do it, somebody's got to. Anyway, um, who else? Oh, you guys, uh, y'all know my newest, latest obsession it was reality TV was TLC's Seeking Sister Wife. Just what a bombshell hit after hit. And unfortunately... There was so much drama surrounding the past season. I'm really not sure how it's going to continue, especially now when we found out that um, basically the anchor couple, the couple who has been on for the entire three season series, Ashley and Dimitri Snowden, are donezo. They're officially broken up. Um, So if y'all remember, there's been a lot of drama with Dimitri specifically recently with... um, um, Crystalline, the South African woman that he legally married and had come to America, um, filing a restraining order against him, saying that he was abusive sexually and physically, and that Ashley was also abusive, and that they had some sort of scuffle in which Crystalline was trying to leave the home, and then Ashley was like barricading her and possibly even pushed her to prevent her from leaving the home. It's been a whole, whole drama for months now with Dimitri and uh, he's now filed for divorce from Crystalline and Ashley, who's basically been standing by him this whole time has officially announced that she is single. So she wrote on her Instagram, some like, I won't even bore you with the yaya woo woo spirituality bullshit of it all. Suffice to say, she said I'm single and then I stopped reading the like 10 paragraph caption after that. That's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know. Um, I did take a quick scan at her Instagram. There seemed to be no pictures of Dimitri on it. So that seems to be erased. Um, I don't know how, you know, like, do I care about them as a couple? No, 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 you guys. They were weird. I care about them from an entertainment perspective. Uh, value, but I was not invested in them as a couple because they were weird. Okay. And so I'm thrilled that Ashley is free of him. I mean, now that they've got what three kids, I don't know how that's going to work, but from a selfish perspective, what are we going to do with the show? Because like I said, they were the anchor couple. They made the, they were like the backbone of the show. Um, None of the new couples that were brought on from last season ended up successfully seeking out a sister wife, (laughs) um, as the show would detail. So I don't know what they're going to do. I'm wondering if this might be like the um, ending of Counting On might be uh, the end of the series. And that's really going to be a bummer for me because, man, that was a circus. A true true circus um with that you guys oh does anybody care (laughs) is anybody at all still following the Portia Simon Fallon triangle because if you will I'm just gonna give you guys a couple seconds so you know Simon had been alleging that Fallon had been cheating on him and posted those um surveillance camera footage of Fallon going home with a guy and they looked like they were trying to evade the outside surveillance cameras by like separating but you know it looked like a hookup going back to the house situation so um she and that guy the guy's name is Jalen so they've been saying this whole time we're just besties we were working together Simon knew I was going to be at the house I was staying at the house everything was above board like nothing about us was romantic okay well now they're officially Instagram 
together. Oh God. I, I mean, great, great, great. Um, with that, I want to just, this really is apropos of absolutely nothing. It's just something, it's a tweet that I found that I felt like if I was entertained by it, I felt like you guys would be too. Um, this is by, um, I'm at I'm Bob Swaggett on in, uh, Twitter, rather, and it is an excerpt for from an interview that Cisco did about the origins and the inspiration behind the thong song. So here we go. This is Cisco. <clears throat> it was a cold winter's night. And then he starts laughing. He says, now, I don't remember if it was wintertime or not, but I had a date with a young lady and I must have done something right over the course of dinner because I got treated to a more intimate gathering later on. We started to get all hot and heavy. She got undressed and lo and behold, I see something that I'd never seen before. This article of clothing. It was one of the most glorious things I've ever seen in my life. I was like, what are you wearing? And she said, oh, this old thing? It's a phone. And she said, excuse me, I think that, <laughs> I think that's when my hair turned blonde. <laughs> he said, it was like in the Ten Commandments when Moses went down to go see the burning bush and came back down and his head was silver. I don't really remember the rest of that night because I was under the spell of said material. <laughs> I was shell-shocked. <laughs> and then the person he's interviewing says, well, it sounds like a transformative experience. <laughs> and he said, Cisco says, she already had the cake, but she put the icing on it with the thong. That cemented it. I immediately went home and to start writing the song and called my boys up. I saw something yesterday. Gather around, I'll tell you. Everybody leaned in and I told them, there's this new underwear girls are wearing and it's called a thong. It was like the fellowship of the ring. Everybody was like, we got to go out and hunt for the one thong. They literally left in that moment. A few days later, my cousin kid burst through the door. I thought there was a fire. Somebody got hit by a car. And he was like, I was with this girl last night. And guess what she gave me? And I quote, that thong, the thong, thong, thong. We burst out laughing. Then we laughed all the way to the bank. For the record... I gave him a big percentage of the song's royalties. <laughs> and with that, you guys, um, I will, the last thing, or the next thing you'll hear is a <laughs> recap of Love After Lockup. I'm still laughing about how his hair turned blonde immediately. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would very gratefully appreciate it. Also on Spotify. I believe you can do it on Spotify as well. So thank you guys so much for speaking, listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's looking forward to starting a new life for you. And this is a part of a this part is, of this new life. That's part of it? This is all a part of it. I see. Stan wants me to leave my past behind and wants me to give all my family up, my kids, uh, their problems, to, to come in his perfect little world and be perfect. And that's not the case. That's never going to be the case. He'll go before they do. All right, y'all. Let's talk about Love After Lockup. I think it's going to be a pretty quick review since this episode was like fine, but I feel like there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. Like with Josh and Courtney... I mean, really nothing there. Um, Josh was raised by his grandmother. He had like a really horrible uh, childhood. Um, his parents were awful. Basically, we get more of his backstory, which is that his mom was an addict, couldn't raise him. Um, his father had his issues as well. At five, Josh's father was able to get visitation, um, but he very quickly got it taken away because they found out that his father was giving Josh beer at five, a five-year-old. So he was basically under the care of his grandmother um, for, you know, his childhood. And they had a pretty good relationship, but something happened to Josh in the last few months. And he said that basically everything kind of came crashing down on him emotionally. He wrote a letter to his grandmother and basically dumped on her, blamed her for all the bad things that happened and really just like went in on her and they stopped communicating. So Josh calls her, they go over to the house, Josh and Courtney, and they make amends with one another. And it was like a really nice moment because Courtney kind of has a relationship with Josh's grandmother and they, it's a good relationship. And, um, uh, Josh's grandfather passed away while he was in jail. And so Courtney's like, just really grateful that Josh is trying to make these steps and make these amends to his grandmother because she feels like losing his grandpa while he was in jail really affected him and that he just didn't want to have a strained relationship with somebody else and, you know, lose them. So that was it. I mean, it ended up on a positive note. They, you know, started getting along and, Courtney starts talking about all the things that she wants to do. And is it worth talking about what Courtney was wearing for a meet the grandmother of your husband for an emotional chat outfit? It was um, eclectic. It was eclectic. There were um, sort of a cowboy boot happening. I, you know, a, a legging, a studded legging with a design going up the thigh. Um, and then what appeared to be like an old high school swim, in, swim team jacket or something like some kind of uh, zip up. Uh, it was just a lot, a, a lot happening with Courtney. Um, yeah, like I said, she, they have dreams. She says that she wants to have property that has hundreds of acres and she wants to have horses and chickens or whatever and live her life with Josh and I mean they seem to have the best shot than any other of the couples on this season I will say that 
but that's also not saying much. So let's move on to Doug and Rachel. Um, Doug, our baloney king, and Rachel, our tiny, terrifying princess. Um, Y'all know she's been raising his child for three out of the five months that they've been together. They, um, you know, so there's Doug Sr. and then little Dougie. Little Dougie. Um, Dougie is 12. Dougie and Doug don't really have a relationship because Doug is a teen dad. He's basically been in and out of jail, you know, his Doug, little Dougie's entire life. So they don't really have a relationship. Little Dougie's got a lot of jokes. He's got a lot of sass. Um, and he's got a lot of attitude toward his father, which I understand. I see it. And I recognize it and I get it. I get it, dude. I really do. But um, he, he was doing a little too much for me. He was doing a little too much. And I, I'm nervous about this relationship because Doug Sr. is a dickhead. And he really seems determined, even since he, since before he got out, to be this like strict father with this child that he never raised, which is going to be a huge disaster. Um, he seems to think that little Dougie is very spoiled and he seems to feel like Dougie needs to be in line. And just the way he talks about the sort of tough love approach that he plans on taking with little Dougie, it just feels like it could get dark very quickly. And especially because little Dougie is both very sensitive and obviously feeling the absence of his father in his life. And he's pissed about it and he has every right to be. And he's also uh, heartbroken about it. Again, he has every right to feel that way, but he also, it's like the way he's choosing to cope with his father. And I'm not blaming him for this at all. Like it is entirely on his father to um, try to maintain some sort of healthy relationship with him. But he just got real sad. He was just talking. I was like, oh, Lord. Like, he talks like a child repeating what they heard their mom say about their ain't shit daddy. But at 12, Dougie fully understands the impact of what he's saying. And it's not like he's an eight-year-old who doesn't understand what's going on. Right? So he says things like... Um, you know, basically that his father, he calls his father a filthy womanizer at one point. You know, that's example number one. He seems to have a lot of feelings about his father dating women after women, which again, feels like something that you would have heard from your mom, right? <laughs> because why would a child care about how many girlfriends his father had? Um, and yeah, just stuff like that. I, I just felt like, ooh. Between, like, a smart mouth and a shitty attitude from your father, that just seems like a recipe for disaster. Um, did anything else happen with Rachel and Doug? Oh, we meet Rachel's mom um, had Dougie over while Rachel went to pick Doug up. So they all have their first meeting and Doug is, like, pretty cocky. And Rachel's mom is like, okay, I'm taking all of this in and I hear you and I'm going to act like we're friendly. But she tells a confessional on the cameras, she is not fucking with that dude. She thinks he's very smug. She thinks that he could be a little bit more humble um, for somebody who is only hours out of jail. And 
she what does she say i mean she sees basically what we all see which is that uh clearly doug is um has caught a lick if you will and is taking advantage of a situation he sees that he's got a good with Rachel for sure. And he's going to take it and rock it till the wheels fall off. If you will. Um, Dougie, little Dougie at one point also asked his father, um, how many times he dropped a soap. And Doug senior's response was only on his birthday. Now, is that a conversation that you're going to have with your 12 year old child? Why does he know that? And why would you respond in that manner? You see what I mean? Anyway, let's move on um, to Anissa and Jeff. Now, Anissa, we just let, met last week. She had a potential catfish. Her family and friends are like, girl, do you even know that this man that you claim you've been in a relationship with for 11 years and that you're engaged to is real? Because the last two times y'all tried to uh, meet up for like your happy ending, the dude didn't show up. So are you positive that this man is real. So today is a big day. Judgment day. Jeff is supposed to get out of jail from the for the third time in their relationship. And um, Anissa's friend who you met last week, Kyle, is going to tag along with her. Now, again, it's giving a lot of... I know I said this last time, Angela and Tony. Because Angela also had a guy friend who was like following her around like a puppy dog. Doing everything for her. Going everywhere with her. And was really against her relationship with Tony because he was in love with her. Now, they're kind of giving us that now, but I'm noticing that Kyle has a ring on his finger. So, is he in a relationship? Is he married to someone? Because I feel like as his wife, would I feel some type of way about that? I don't know. Because we never see the wife. So, we don't know... A, if she exists, or B, like, what her relationship is to Anissa. It just seems, like, a little too familiar for a man who may or may not be married, but is probably married. Um, but, so they go on the way. They have to go to the bus station to pick Jeff up, but they don't even really have any time to hang out. They only have the 45 minutes that it's going to take to get him to the halfway house. So... They're waiting. She's got a sparkly welcome home, Jeff, uh, sign for her betrothed waiting. And she's waiting. And she keeps waiting. And it's, you know, she's talking to the production about how she spent tens of thousands of dollars on him. But she swears it's going to be different this time. And then it's two hours. Two hours of her being the old lady shuffling around an empty bus depot with a sign in her hand for a man who never showed up. So she's waiting, a bus pulls up, and uh, she's like, oh, this this is it. Jeff better be the first one off this bus. Well, not only was he not the first one, he wasn't the seventh one, he wasn't the 15th one, and then the bus pulls out of the bus station and goes on its merry way. So egg on her face, girl, but maybe egg on our face because as Anissa is starting to get pissed and saying that she's going to cut up this wedding dress that she just bought the other day, um, here comes Jeff from the back of the building and apparently his ass fell asleep in the bus and an old lady found him and woke him up. So starting off on a good foot here, um, 
It's also worth noting that earlier on the way, Anissa had expressed some um, reservations or hesitations or insecurities about the fact that she is 51 to Jeff's 40 and that she just is worried about her appearance and looking like the old woman with the younger man. But um, soon as we saw Jeff, I wholeheartedly, you know, I feel like Anissa's fears should have been alleviated in that moment because Jeff is uh, clearly a drug addict, like clearly somebody who is in active addiction. His hands were shaking and not that that necessarily would make him look worse. The fact that he's a drug addict, it was everything else. It was just the, the man did not look 40. And Anissa actually looks pretty good. I mean, does she look 50? She looks like a Tennessee 50, you know? Like, no shade to Tennessee, but shade, you know, shade. Um, she, you know, she, she seems like she's not a stranger to a menthol pack. You know what I mean? So the wear and tear has shown. And she also seems like, you know, SPF is not really something that she works into her routine very often. She seems like, uh, you know, a lady who likes to you know, she's got a friend who's got a small boat. And so they go out on the lake on the 4th of July and stuff and they get drunk and, you know, there's not, not an SPF to be seen. Not, not a single one, not a spray can, not an old bottle, Hawaiian Pacific or whatever it's called. Um, nothing, nothing, just devil may care, but she looks pretty good. All things considered. Jeff, however, looks Rode hard and put away wet. He's a, 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 a rough 40. A rough 40. We'll put it that way. So anyway, now it's time for Jeff to tell his truth. And oh, boy, does he. Um, he is very honest. You know, we love transparency. And he's like, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that I am a scammer. Thank you. And that the first several years and two times of my um, jail stints in my uh, quote unquote relationship with Anissa. Oh, she was a hustle. She was absolutely a trick for me. I had no intention of ever meeting her. I lied, lied, lied those first two times when I said we were going to live our whole lives together and be happy. No, I was never, never going to ever hook up with her because she was a trick and I was tricking her out of tens of thousands of dollars in the 11 years that we've known each other. But third time's a charm. I'm actually, now that I am went into jail the third time, I realize that I am in love with Anissa. So I'm here and I'm committed. And you know what that means is that um, he has nobody else. He has no one else to trick. And so He's like, well, let me just stay with a dummy who's been in here with me for, uh, you know, over a decade, keeping me just flush in uh, the spiciest ramen noodles that you can get on the market and ho-hos aplenty. I got a whole stash under my bed and I'm the go-to guy. Socks? You need socks? Got them. It's nothing for me. It's nothing. Okay? Because my bitch got me. So this is clearly what's happening, but um, Okay. Okay, if we're going to act like this is love, then I'm ready to go on that ride. I can go on that journey for the very short trip that it's going to be. Um, so they're in the car driving to the halfway house and uh, Jeff is really getting annoyed with Kyle and Kyle's backseat conversation making and how he's inserting himself to every interaction and 
bit of conversation that he's trying to have with his soon-to-be wife. And then he heads back over to the halfway house and, you know, who knows if we'll see him again. All right, let's go to our two main events. Let's start with Deontay and Nicole. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us, everyone. Um, So even though they fought last episode about whether or not they were engaged, (laughs) Deontay has decided to surprise Nicole with a romantic evening at his apartment. And by that, I mean, he's doing everything, every, you know, article that he found on a quick, like, Quora search about you know, every, every listicle he found on Akora, uh, you know, how to woo your lady. He did it. You know, he found some, some Instagram post and was like, okay, I'm doing this. So all, all the tricks, all the tricks. We got the, you know, the electric tea lights, the, uh, heart shaped rose petals on the floor. We have the uh, string lights in the bedroom, a uh, bunch of gifts on the bed, of course, can't go without um, giving a grown ass woman a gigantic teddy bear, um, a couple of pairs of Jordans, we had a Michael Kors bag, of course, so she's going to be a bad bitch, got to have that MK logo, uh, what else, just a whole host of things, and then Deontay's like, hey baby, um, Got you some wine. Let's pour it. And Nicole, in a confessional, is like, wow, you know, I'm still thinking about my ex-boyfriend, Zach. But coming here, I'm really thinking, like, this might be the relationship for me. Something that I should stick to. Gosh, I wonder why you feel that way, Nicole. Um, Anyway, so Deontay tells Nicole, hey, why don't you go and look under that gigantic teddy bear? Here's a black bag. And, you know, that's never good. You know, black plastic bags. <sighs> Knowing Deontay is like, what is, what, what house of horrors lies before us in this bag? So, of course, it is, you know, your standard sex shop lingerie, the kind that's like 87% rayon, 13% polyester, um, you know, not breathable at all, just just keep keep those legs open, girl, because otherwise you are just a breeding ground for disease and a UTI. Um, I don't even know if you can get a UTI that way, but it feels like you could definitely get a UTI from a sex store lingerie two-piece set. Um, uh, so Nicole's response to that is immediately like, oh, here go, how come? It is, you know, the the eye roll that's just so automatic that you don't even know that it happened until it's over. It's aggressive, and it makes your eyes hurt. And she just cannot control her disdain and her discomfort and the fact that she does not like this man. <laughs> she cannot fake it for a second, and you have to respect it. You have to respect the fact that... Listen... And when, when this relationship inevitably blows up, these are the moments where she's going to be able to say, Hey, you knew what this was. You knew when you handed me a bag of, you know, $79, but only worth $3 panties. And I rolled my eyes that I wasn't trying to be in this relationship. So this was the moment where you could have, you know, bowed out, tapped out. And you didn't, you didn't. 
So Nicole has been adamant this whole time. And by this whole time, I mean the 48 hours since she's been out of prison, because that's all it's been, um, that she is trying to take it slow with Deontay. And by that, I mean not have sex with him. So she is saying that, you know, I'm just feeling very shy. You know, I haven't been touched in four years. And I just, you know, I just, it's going to take me some time to adjust to having, you know, physical touch and intimate moments with people. So I will put this lingerie on, but you can look, but you can't touch. So turns out Nicole has a history or background in the dance world and she would dance for, (laughs) she's trying to make it seem like she's not a stripper because she's like, you know, I would just be hired to give people dances, you know, like for their birthdays or for bachelor parties or something, or, you know, a guy would get his girl, I would dance for her. And it's like, you just say lap dances, Nicole, like, come on, it's fine. Um, so she, Deontay gets so excited. He goes to sit on the chair in the living room as she changes and he, she gets out and he's like, (laughs) just like cannot control himself like Pepe Le Pew horny. And he starts taking off his shirt as if this is going to go somewhere. And Nicole's like, Oh no, 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 no. Um, I'm going to need you to sit on your hands so we can make sure that you do not touch me. You don't touch me. So she gives him the best 13 to 16 seconds of his life before she's like, okay, well, you know, I'm just feeling really insecure in this, like just cause my boobs are so small and, yeah, I think I need to get my boobs done. And also, I think that we should probably not have sex until those are done. So I'm going to go change now. Click. And also, um, sweetie, if you could just go ahead and turn the car on, because I'm going to need you to take me back to my mom's house, because I'm definitely not spending the night. So I'll be out and I'll just give me like three minutes, just three minutes and I'll be out. Um, so the next day, Deontay picks up Nicole from her mom's house and Goes to take her to get a, as some extensions. And while she's getting that done, he's going to go shopping for her. (laughs) So in the car on the way to the salon, he's like, you know, I'm upset with you about last night, right? You know, I'm upset. She's like, oh, because I didn't spend the night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Deontay says that if she can't see how disrespectful that is to their relationship, then he's going to have to keep that in the back of his mind. And Nicole's like, Okay, are you done? <laughs> that's not a threat. Oh, um, if you don't have sex with me, that's something that I'm gonna remember. Okay. <laughs> remember that then. Okay, are you done? Or are you finished? Um, so she goes off to the salon. Her friend Audrey's there. Audrey's not just a friend. She's a former roommate slash really cellmate. Really cellmate. They were sharing a cell together and Audrey got out She was released six days before Nicole was. So she's coming. They're having a little girl talk chat. And um, uh, Nicole tells Audrey that, like I said, Deontay is going to buy a dress for her while she's getting her hair done. And that he's bought her a couple Michael Kors watches, some Jordans. And in a confessional, Audrey says, Deontay spoiled Nicole while we were in jail. Like she didn't, all she had to do is say that she wanted or needed something and it was it. He would get it for her. No questions asked. So yeah, I think Nicole's going to stay in this relationship for as long as she can. Definitely. (laughs) So 
Audrey's like, okay, so you just told me all this treasure trove of shit that he bought you. What do you think he wants in return? And Nicole's like, I know what he wants in return. I know, I know that. And he's not going to get it. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. So then Audrey's like, um, so when was the last time you had sex? No, granted, Nicole's been out of jail for two days now. Okay. So Audrey says, when was the last time you had sex? And Nicole's response is, with a man or with a woman? Because the last time I had sex was a week ago. And Audrey's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about her. So turns out Nicole says in a confessional that when she got to jail, She wasn't planning on having sex with anybody. She was just going to be focused on herself. Okay. But when she got there, it was, in her words, a playground full of bitches. And how could she possibly resist? And so Audrey's like, yeah, that girl. And Nicole's like, yeah, you know, I was pretty faithful to Deontay. But, you know, it just kind of happened. So I, you know, I went for it. But it's not really cheating because... It's a woman, and I just don't feel like cheating. I don't feel like you can cheat with a woman, because I just don't. (laughs) Thank you. I don't feel like it, because it's not true, because it isn't. Thank you. And it's not true, because you're probably not even really bisexual. That's probably what the deal is. And you probably just do whatever... And with whoever will give you what it is that you want at any given moment. And it really doesn't matter if man, woman, whatever. And I'm not trying to deny anybody's bisexuality. I'm trying to deny Nicole's specific bisexuality because clearly Nicole only looks out for Nicole. And that is just very, very plain and simple. But then, um, you know, after Nicole is talking about how, You know, she just slipped and fell into somebody's pussy a week ago, even though she had pledged her allegiance to Deontay. We also find out because Audrey's like, oh, we should have, we should go out. Who should we invite? And Audrey's like, oh, I think we should invite Tia. So when we find out about Tia, the girl that Nicole says that she was dating up until four months ago when Tia got out of jail. And the only reason why they broke up was because Nicole thought that Tia was cheating on her There wasn't any proof of it, but she just had a feeling. So she dumped her and then they broke up. So um, we see, we end our clips with Nicole calling Tia and saying that, you know, even though 
all the drama. She just can't resist her. So, and that she also has no intention of telling Deontay about this woman, which of course, why would you? Cause you're not in a relationship with him. So you really don't have to tell him a thing. All right, let's round it out with talking about Stan and Lisa. Jesus Christ. So they get to the house after the ride from jail and Stan and Lisa are both in a bad mood. Um, Stan is in a bad mood because he just feels like Lisa wasn't as affectionate on the car ride as she should have been. And in that moment, it's like, you know that he expected to get some sort of road head or hand job at the very least. And it's like, bro, yuck. He's also upset because he's an old man and he's been driving for at least a couple of hours. I don't know if he had a compression sock on or what, but... He just seemed a little worse for wear, and I have to say that I let out a little bit of a chuckle watching him, like, moan and groan, edging or wedging himself out of this car that is too low for him. Like, sir, get a Buick. Get something that is not going to aggravate your your uh, discs when you get out of it, please. Um, so he's, like, moaning and groaning, trying to shuffle to the trunk. He's got one, like, two, one wig head on in each hand oh i just loved it but lisa is also upset like i said and the reason why she's upset is because stan's a dick and she's upset because when she was on the phone with her 22 year old son who was having a an emotional um moment about his mom getting out of jail um that stan's response was basically i just wish that you would cut your whole family off and stay in this house with me and be my uh, sex slave and put me in and out of the straight jacket whenever I feel like it. Now, did he say all of that? No, but that was the implication for sure. Um, so they get in the house and Stan shows Lisa his, her room, her room. And we find out that Stan is prone to night terrors and Lisa doesn't want to have to sleep with that because listen, her life her waking life is going to be enough of a terror um, with this man. She doesn't really need it in her subconscious as well. So they've decided to sleep in separate rooms. And I have to shout out to Jody from the Reality TV podcast. You were 1000% correct when you said that Stan's 2.5 million net worth, while impressive, is everything. This isn't like, this is a house, the car's you know, the, probably the clothes he can estimate, like everything is being sunk into this net worth um, that he's got because the home is clearly, it's very clear to me. Like, you know, homes where you can just tell that people had a financial windfall and everything was done around that time. And then now it's just a museum to that decade or that moment in time where you guys were flush with cash. So this is clearly the home where Stan got his, he said he got his first million like 20 years ago. That's exactly what it looks like. This looks like the house was decorated. Like they got a, a windfall of cash in 1990, 1991. It got decorated from the finest, you know, Laura Ashley furnishings, you know, bedding. Um, it just... This bedroom looked like somebody's grandma's place, for sure. I mean, it was grandma down to the little socks with the scrubbies at the bottom. It was that, you know, like, between, like, 1988, I will say, and 1996-ish, um, there was that, it was like the government had a standard issue 
betting for women over the age of 50. So it's this like pale blue but also pastel-y kind of colors and the just the generic geometric shape print on it and you know it comes with the matching drapes it's it's very bed in a bag very bed in a bag you know like when bed in, bed in the bags were so in in the 90s but you got every you got the little sham hello little covers the fitted the flat the comforter the two pillowcases you know, if you if you really got the like special ones, you got the the wall the sconces. You know, just a little tuft of uh, you know, a drapery, if you will. Uh, you know, the whole thing, the the little pillow that's like a cylinder, the whole thing. Y'all feel me? So that's what her bedroom looks like. It's got the you know just like old people wooden chunky that like chunky wood uh cabinets and and dresser and always always with the too small tv what what is with old people's aversions to to larger tvs this is a good 15 incher (laughs) smaller than your standard uh computer screen size tv on top of the dresser always on top of the dresser there's the um you know the oscillating fan in the corner uh, just all the trimmings all the trimmings so welcome to your new bedroom girl you can there's plenty of space for you to put your wigs on the dresser um and yeah just live your best life so she's putting her things away and she's telling the cameras like hey i think I'm I'm pissed. I'm pissed right now. And I'm pissed because of what Stan said to me in the car. And I don't even think that Stan realizes that I'm pissed or why I would be. So Stan is, you know, downstairs. He's all happy, just pouring, like, healthy pours of, you know, some sort of probably, a, you know, a sangria. You know, like a, a, a wine that is supposed to be a sangria. You know that Stan's like, I'm... He, when he goes to the wine shop, he goes for like the dusty bottles, you know, the dusty ones. Um, and this is, it had the refinery of a wine that definitely should have been, you know, cooked with or mixed with something, you know, chop up some fruits and leave it in the fridge for a couple hours. That, that kind of vibe. But he is pouring himself and and Lisa, these wines, he's clearly like, Ooh, probably just popped a blue pill. You know, um, he's feeling the juices flowing, the blood flowing. Disgusting. I wish I hadn't said that. And he's excited. So he's excited until Lisa comes downstairs, takes one look at him, doesn't say anything and goes out to the patio to smoke a cigarette. So Stan is like, oh, what's wrong? And tries to like kissy all over her face. Yuck. And Lisa's like, well, (sighs) I just feel like you're being so selfish right now. You heard me on the phone with my son. You heard how upset he is. And Stan's like, well, you're a smart girl. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? And so Lisa's like, I got to figure this thing out with my son. But in the meantime, like, are you going to be doing anything? Well, I'm trying to figure out how to fix my family. And he's like, uh, probably, probably nothing. Probably won't be doing anything. No. No. So then Lisa says, you know, I kind of feel like you would have at least offered to have my son move in and, 
Stan's like, well, yeah, I think maybe you need to try and figure some things out before we get to that part. And Stan says, I'm not comfortable with moving the family in because I just don't know Lisa well enough. So why is she moving into your house then? <laughs> why are you moving her into your home? Like, I fully understand you don't want to live with somebody else's family. I fully understand that you thought, you know, you're an aged, withered old man, withered and weathered. And he probably didn't anticipate having some like 22 year old moving into your home. That I understand. But this whole like, you need to just not have your whole family in your life is weird. It's weird. So um, then Lisa's like, okay, well, I need to really figure out what's going on. We don't really know what's going on with her son. She doesn't say, but this is apparently is a, a situation that needs to be taken care of immediately and it seems to be time sensitive so she tries to call her son and go straight to voicemail and she says listen I know you had plans and expectations for tonight but I gotta go to my kid so then Stan starts getting pissed starts getting on all hot under that uh, blazer that he's got and he knows that he's not gonna have sexy straight jacket time tonight so he's like just go to full asshole just full dick mode. So he's like, listen, um, let's just get some wine and figure things out. So in a confessional, Lisa says she gets it. She fully understands that Stan wanted her to leave her whole life and everything in her past behind for her to be this like perfect little sex doll. And that's not going to happen. So, She's just got to go see what's going on with her son. So Stan gets snippy and he's like, well, he's 22 years old and I thought he would have been man enough to figure himself out by now. And Lisa's like, I don't even know what's going on, but I need to figure out. And he's like, well, I think you knew. I think you do need to go do that. (laughs) Okay, sir. (laughs) Excuse the hell out of me. Like, oh, this is, this is how you act over not getting some pussy. This is how you want to act. Okay. Okay. So then um, Lisa stares at him and is like, I guarantee that you would not be acting this way if this were your kids. And he's like, well, I raised my children right. (laughs) Excuse the fuck out of me. So then he starts glugging his wine and he says to production that he's not going to apologize to Lisa, especially after all the things he's done for her. So Lisa is like, that man is like night and day when he drinks. I'm not dealing with this shit. I dealt with it with my ex-husband. I'm not going to go down this road again. So she gathers all her shit. She says, I got a few thousand dollars. I can go to a hotel tonight. I have no problem with that. So she goes outside and waits for a car and stands inside, quote unquote, worrying about uh, how, uh, you know, Lisa's son might be, uh, you know, uh, manipulating him, her, but then he knocks over his glass of wine like an idiot. (laughs) And then the episode ends with Lisa driving off and Stan being a fucking creep because he clearly thinks that the cameras can't see his ass staring out the window because it's dark, but they can because there's like, Clearly, there's some lighting going on in the bedroom. <laughs> Just enough lighting that you can see him. And the windows are wide open. So I don't know why he thinks people can't see him. But he looks like... Just like the creepiest Mr. Burns that you ever did see staring out the window just like 
I'll get you. I'll get you, Lisa. Ugh, I hate him. Anyway, all right, that's the end of my natural.